the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Living on the Rock Radio with Pastor Israel Labson. Here you will hear teaching that will challenge you to a deeper walk with Jesus. Whatever place you are in your understanding of God's plan for your life, you will grow closer by listening. No shame, no guilt, and no condemnation. But you will be challenged to a closer walk with God. Now here's Pastor Israel with today's teaching. If you think humanity can stop the deterioration of this creation, like some of our extreme environmentalists and extreme sociologists tend to let us believe, if you think we can reverse this thing, think again. And I'm not knocking down environmental efforts. I do my part, you do your part. I'd like this environment to be a place where we, people can live properly. I'm not knocking their efforts. I'm not knocking the efforts of sociologists who tries to make life better for everybody. I'm not knocking that down. But you know what? As a Christian, let me tell you, from our perspective, the hope of creation rests only on God's restoration of all things one day. That's the hope of our future. Our prayer is centered on the hope that God will one day restore everything, not destroy it. Listen, don't listen to anyone who says, oh, this world will be destroyed by this or by that. Not at all. God says, I created this world, this whole creation, and I created it good. And you know what? God is not going to destroy His creation. He's going to restore it. That's what the Bible teaches. And that knowledge impacts the way we pray. Our upward and outward praying, our supplication praying should be focused on how God can use us to spread, to spread the message of the kingdom of God. You know, Jesus prayed, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's in Matthew chapter 6, verse 10. Now listen, prayer is a call to respond to the Spirit in our situation. It is not a call for us to go to the Spirit and get involved so much in our situation. There's a big difference. And we will find out as followers of Jesus. Our call is to respond to the Spirit in any and every situation. Not so much to call on the Spirit to do something with the situation. In, 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 in some cases, the Spirit helps us, removes the situation. But for the most part, it's not about getting Him to remove us from that situation, but for us to respond to what He's saying in the midst of that circumstance. The Spirit's work is to take us through our circumstances, not to take us out of them. I'm sorry, that's the Christian life. 
How do we pray knowing that this creation is groaning? How do we pray during this pandemic, for instance? Have you ever asked that question? How should I be praying during this very, you know, trying times of this, this pandemic? Knowing that our world is fallen, listen very carefully. I want to explain this so I don't get misunderstood. Don't just pray for this pandemic to be over. I didn't say you shouldn't pray that this pandemic will go away. I didn't say that. I said, don't just pray for this to be over. Instead, pray that God will open the opportunity for the gospel to be proclaimed during this pandemic. Secondly, pray not just only for comfort, Again, I didn't say don't pray for comfort, but don't just pray for comfort, but pray for conviction to come to people. Number three, let's not just pray for encouragement, but pray for evangelism. I'm praying for a harvest of souls as soon as this pandemic is over. I'm praying for a harvest of people who will come to know Jesus through this pandemic. How about praying for those Christians who are in the front lines helping people? Let's pray for those. We can't do anything. Our hands are tied. We can't even go out. But there are people. There are followers of Jesus in the medical field. There are followers of Jesus in, in, in every aspect of, 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 of the, the government that's involved in getting this thing resolved and getting this thing uh, taken care of. Why don't we pray for those who are in the front lines and, and let's pray that God will empower them with the Holy Spirit so they can, in fact, share the message of the kingdom of God to those who are suffering. That's how we ought to be praying, knowing that our world is broken. Our prayer must reflect those things, our petition must center on how God can advance His kingdom in the midst of our situation, knowing full well and accepting the reality that this creation is groaning. That's dealing with the outside circumstances. What about us on the inside? How should we be praying for ourselves? Okay? What about our internal issues? How do we pray for ourselves? In verse 23, again, Paul says, Not only is creation groaning, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for the adoption of our sonship, the redemption of our bodies. As we understand and accept that creation is groaning, we also understand and accept that we are also groaning and waiting for our redemption to be complete. Knowing that will affect the way we pray. Amen? It says we have the first fruits of the Spirit. What does it mean? The term first fruits in the Bible refers to that first portion of what we have. The, the first offering a farmer gives after harvesting his crops. In this case, the Bible says that the Holy Spirit is the deposit, the down payment, the first fruits from God Himself guaranteeing our future adoption. Our adoption is not yet complete. Obviously, we're still here on earth. But we are already certain and secured of its completion. So while we're here on earth, 
We still groan. Amen? Amen? Everybody still groan. Creation is groaning, and we are groaning. We still suffer in the body. We still suffer in our mind. We still suffer in our hearts. So knowing that our adoption is guaranteed but not complete, we pray in the hope of the future. We know what the outcome is. So our prayers reflect that longing and that optimism. I had a friend who lived in Texas, and uh, he was a victim of one of those tornadoes, okay? Wiped out his entire house, destroyed his entire entire house. But he had a tornado insurance, right? So he called the insurance company, and the insurance company says, well, you have your certificate that you are insured, so you got to wait a few months, and we will build you a new house. So that settles it for him. But in the meantime, the insurance company says you have to live in a shelter. And in that shelter, man, there's a lot of other people that you have to share with. There's a lot of noise. There's a lot of fighting. There's a lot of garbage. Everything stinks. And he was telling me, you know, those, those months, weeks and months that he had to wait was really very grueling. But knowing that he has a house getting ready to be built, he knows that one day he's going to open that door and he will have his restored house. In the meantime, he said, I volunteered at the shelter. I started feeding uh, some of the people there. I started working towards getting that situation a lot better. That's what we should be. That's the kind of attitude we should have when it comes to, the, to this world and when it comes to our, our struggles in the inside. You know, there's an old saying that if, if, if life throws you a lemon, what do you do? You make a lemonade out of it. That's the kind of thing. We struggle with sickness still, amen? We struggle with pain. We struggle struggle with personal vices, besetting sins. What do we do in the meantime? Sure, we pray for God to give us comfort. Sure, we pray for healing. Sure, we pray for victory over our struggles. But knowing that our struggles are real, let's pray that God will use our struggles to advance His kingdom. That's an opportunity. This was vividly articulated by the Apostle Paul in his letter to the Philippians. Philippians 1, 12 to 14. He said these words. Now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me, what has happened to him, he was imprisoned, he was brutalized, he was persecuted, he was beaten, he was done all of that, and he was imprisoned. What has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. And because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. So spirit-refined prayers, praying sacrificially because they are centered on kingdom priorities. Not on relief, not so much on comfort, not so much on deliverance from the situation. And there's nothing wrong with praying that way. But we pray that the gospel will be advanced. You know, when you keep on praying for your own personal comfort and all of these things, they're just a medical injection, so to speak. They're not the cure. The cure is to make sure that the word of God is spread through the struggle. 
struggles that we go through in life. Now, there's a second pillar that characterizes spirit-refined prayer, and that is it is committed to the king's promise. It is committed to the king's promise. Look at verses 24 and 25 in our text. For in this hope we were saved, speaking of our future adoption. But hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what he already have? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. We wait for it patiently. You know, our prayers, if they're refined by the Spirit, they're not spontaneous, they're sacred. Okay? And you know how your prayer is sacred? You and I know how to wait on God. There's a waiting that takes place. That waiting is characterized by a sense of mourning, but with great patience, with great uh, eagerness, and with great expectations. What's the implication? Paul says our hope is on the promise that God made that we will see him one day face to face. Now, the problem is because we don't see him, our heart sinks sometimes. Because we don't solidify our hope on that promise. And we need to understand that the promise that God made is this, that one day we will see Jesus face to face. We will see him face to face. And we cannot make the distinction between where Jesus is right now, where we don't see him, and where we're at. That's why our prayer lacks the sacredness. You know, oh, I, 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 I'm, I'm kind of worried. Jesus is not with me. No, Jesus is with you. Jesus is with me. Jesus is with the church. It makes no difference whether we see him or not. If we don't see him, we still know him. He's still with us and we still love him. You not seeing Jesus make any difference. We still love him. You know, every time I'm away from my wife, I miss her. I really do. I'm not trying to be, uh, you know... I don't know the word, but, but I miss her. I don't see her physically, but it makes no difference. She expects me to hold our marriage in sacred trust. That means I can't act like I wasn't married. I can't fool around as if I was married or not married or single. I can't do any of that. Why? Because it, because, not because I don't see her doesn't mean... That she doesn't exist in my life. That means I can't be doing things in her absence uh, that will violate the sacredness of our, of our marriage. Her absence doesn't, absence doesn't change anything. And that's how it is with the promise of our Lord's presence in our life. It makes no difference to us whether we see him or not. Our hope is real because we know he is there. Paul's letter to the Thessalonians, you know, who were experiencing tremendous hardships and suffering. Listen to the words of Paul in, uh, in 1 Thessalonians uh, chapter 5, verses 8 to 10. Listen to him. He says, But since we belong to the day, the day of the Lord, let us be sober, putting on faith and love as a breastplate and the hope of salvation as a helmet. For God did not appoint us to suffer wrath, but to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. 
Now listen to this in verse 10. He died for us so that whether we are awake or we are alive or asleep, whether we're dead, we may live together with him. Refined prayer is sacred prayer because it's characterized by that waiting, mournful waiting, patiently waiting, eagerly waiting, expectantly waiting because the presence of the Lord is real right here and right now and it's going to be real when we see Him face to face. It's the same reality for us. But there's a final pillar to this spirit-refined prayer and that is we are always comforted by God's knowledge of our petitions. We are comforted by God's knowledge of our petition. And this is the work of the Holy Spirit. Look at verse 26 and 27. In the same way, the Spirit helps us. Now the word help there is another name for the Holy Spirit. The Spirit is called the helper, the comforter. The Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit Himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. Spirit-refined prayers are, are prayers that are infused with supernatural knowing, supernatural assurance that God is present. Notice Paul says, in the same way. What is that referring to? It's referring to groaning. So, here we go. The creation is groaning. The Christians are groaning. And now we see the Holy Spirit is groaning. And what is that about? Now, listen very carefully. God knows that waiting in hope will be difficult for, for all of us. The creation is groaning. There's lots of troubles and heartaches in this world. Then we are groaning too as his children. The good news is God knows that we struggle in this life. Isn't that a good news that God knows? How do we know that God knows? That's the work of the Holy Spirit. That's the divine supernatural work of the Spirit. He gives us supernatural knowing. Those without the Holy Spirit, all they have is what they see as solutions from the outside. All they see are, you know, wise remedies. All they see are strategies and, and all kinds of different ways to solve the issues that ails them and that ails the world, the world. But as Christians, we have a supernatural knowing that God knows what's going on in our life. Jesus sent us a divine comforter to share in our experience. Now, Jesus already came and shared humanity's experiences at one point in history. So Jesus already knows what it means to be human, and he knows what this world is going through. He already did that. He already accomplished that. But just to show us that He loves us so much, He sent the Holy Spirit to do the same thing, but the Holy Spirit will abide with His people forever. And that's the hope. That's what makes us rejoice because we know that the Holy Spirit stands side by side with us in every experiences that we go through. 
He shares in our groaning. You know what that means? It means He interprets our groaning before the throne of God. He, he, you know, there's some things that we, can, we don't know how to pray for. You know, this, it hurts so much. You know, it's so painful that we don't know what to say. And we groan, but the Holy Spirit shares that groaning and He carries it to the throne of God. He understands it and He, he, he relays it towards God. When I was a, when I was a kid, I, I eat like the devil. And I became a Christian, now I just eat like a sinner. <laughs> All right, I mean, I try to be funny. All right. But I'm prone, I was prone to indigestion. Every time I overeat, I was prone to indigestion. And my mother knows exactly when I'm going through my indigestions. She can tell by the way I grunt, by the way I moan. All right. So this one time, I had this severe indigestion, and uh, my, 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 my mom took me uh, to, the, to the provincial doctor. And the doctor looked at me, and, and the doctor asked me, what's wrong? And I just looked at him and muttered something like, mm. and my mom said, he overate, he ate too much rice. And then uh, the doctor once again says, so uh, where does it hurt? And I just sigh. <sighs> And my mother said, that's because after he overate, he started running and playing. All right? And the doctor said, ah, just drink some hot tea and it'll go away. That's it. Yeah, no prescription, no nothing, no encouraging word. Just drink some tea and endure the pain and it'll go away at some point. The point of this story is the Holy Spirit is kind of like that, you know. He, he doesn't normally just take away the issue. But he, the fact that I heard that thing from the doctor made me feel better already. All right? And that's, that's, that's what it's like for us to be, to be praying. The Holy Spirit supernaturally helps us by giving us assurances. Now, supernatural praying does not mean that the, that the Holy Spirit will relieve us. Or take away our trouble. Instead, he relates to our experiences. And how does he do that? By giving us that supernatural joy. Do you ever notice that? That if you're a Christian, you can be going through all kinds of problems and issues and trials. But there's, uh, there's that uncanny feeling inside of you that, that, that you know you're going to make it. And that's called the joy of the Lord given by the Spirit. First Thessalonians again one six. Listen to the words of Paul. He says to the suffering Thessalonians, You became imitators of us and of the Lord, for you welcomed the message in the midst of severe suffering with the joy given by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit just, just doesn't remove our issues, but He reassures us of our coming hope. Many of you can testify that at your darkest moments, the Holy Spirit gave you that assurance that things will be all right. The problems remain, but you have a renewed sense of hope and confidence. That's the thing that the supernatural work of the Holy Spirit can accomplish. The Holy Spirit doesn't give us reasons why we are going through the things that we're going through, but instead He relays our petitions before the throne of God. That's the supernatural work of the Holy Spirit when we pray. Loved ones, we live in a world that is fallen. It's groaning. 
up until now. We too, as sons and daughters of the kingdom, through faith in Jesus, are also groaning, awaiting the completion of our salvation until the Lord returns and restores all things. Loved ones, the rest of our life is a training on how to have faith and hope. And with the love of Christ, the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, whom God, whom Jesus gave us so we can in fact accomplish this, the rest of life is to live by faith and wait in hope. The Holy Spirit as our comforter, our advocate, our helper. And because He searches our hearts, He cleans it up in the process. He cleans up our motives. He clarifies our priorities in order that we can approach the throne of God with boldness and confidence and hope while at the same time we're being conformed to the image and likeness of our Lord Jesus Christ. This will be an ongoing reality of the Christian life. When we pray, we ask the Holy Spirit to help us refine our prayer life so that our prayers will be sacrificial, not simply situational. Sacred and not simply spontaneous and supernatural, not supplemental. You've been listening to Living on the Rock Radio with Pastor Israel Lapson, a ministry of Living Rock Christian Church in Sunnyvale, California. As a listener-supported ministry, they are grateful for your tax-deductible donations at livingontherockradio.com. Living Rock is a church that doesn't care how you are dressed or what candidate you voted for. A church made up of imperfect people from all walks of life with a hunger and thirst to understand God's plan for our lives. No matter what you've been through or what questions you may have about God and faith, you will find love, grace, and hope at Living Rock Christian Church, 675 East Taylor Avenue in Sunnyvale, with Sunday worship starting at 1030 a.m. More information at livingontherockradio.com.